The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Good to have you with us here on the Employment Law Show. If you're ready to go, we are ready to go. Lior in the driver's seat again this morning and reaching out through email help at employmentlawyer.ca and that's really where we're going to focus we got so many emails coming through over the last uh, several days so we want to clear out that inbox and answer some of your questions we are ready to go my brother good to have you back in the uh, in the chair and uh, on air so uh, what's going on how are you well i am excited to be here and you know before we went on air i, I checked to make sure that you know we still do employment law here on this show <laughs> It's been a, a little while since I've been uh, I've been here, but I am so excited uh, knowing that we can talk about employment law and workplace mm-hmm. rights. And I, I can tell you, John, I had this crazy busy week, so many questions uh, back and forth about uh, vaccines and going back to work and working from home and changes to jobs and severance packages. I've been answering them all week, and I want to continue doing that this morning. But as we usually do, to get us started, let me tell you about a couple of situations that came across uh, my desk. So first situation, I got a call from a gentleman. Now, a number of months ago, his employer, because they were slow because of COVID-19, his employer reduced his uh, shifts. So effectively, he went down from 37 or 38 hours a week to about 25. Mm-hmm. So his shifts were reduced from eight hours to about five hours a day. Uh, and, you know, obviously he wasn't happy about it. Who would be? Yeah. But he figured, okay, that's reasonable. It's, you know, COVID-19, they, they are slower. So I am going to continue uh, working and, and do my best. Fair enough. Well, fast forward to now. Now his employer is a lot busier. Things are reopening. So he approaches his employer and say, okay, things are, are going well here. Can I start my old shift back? Can I go back to 37 hours yeah. a week? His understanding was, well, you know, this is just a temporary thing. Sure. Well, his employer says, we don't know if or when you'll be back to uh, your regular shifts. You're going to continue working until further notice uh, these 25 hours. Obviously, he was shocked by that. He called me and he wanted to know what can I do about it. So here's the thing, John. His employer did not have the right to reduce him from 37 hours to 25. They, there was no right to do that, even if it's because of COVID-19, even if they are slower because of COVID-19. He could have said that reduction was a constructive dismissal, right. but he didn't. Instead, he accepted, and, and, and I'm not faulting him at all. Obviously, he was being a good employee and a, a loyal employee, so I get it, but he accepted it. And because there was no agreement in writing that it's only temporary, his employer now can keep him in this reduced hour role. His employer actually no longer has to increase him back. And it gets even worse than that. Because he accepted that reduction from 37 hours to 25 hours, his employer now can impose additional reductions if it wants to. Reduce him from 25 to 15 or, or what have you. Now, what could have this employee have done? Number two options. He could have suddenly said, no, I'm not doing that. And if you're going to enforce that reduction, that's a constructive dismissal. Or he could have agreed in writing that this is only for a month or two months or for a fixed period of time. It's not forever. And unfortunately, because he didn't do either of those things, he is now in a difficult situation. And I'm bringing this up here to remind everyone 
that if your terms of employment change, your hours, your pay, uh, your location, what have you, you don't have to accept it. Your employer does not have a right to do that. Or if you are going to accept it, make sure that it's clear in writing. An email is fine. It doesn't have to be a contract. But there's some written confirmation that it's only temporary. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you may be stuck. So I don't want to, to you know, uh, hear and, and unfortunately tell you that I can't help you like with this gentleman. But there's an important lesson to be learned here. Your employer still now even with COVID-19, does not have a right to change terms of employment. John, there's a very important lesson there. Yeah, it's interesting. It's something you should really take care of at the outset. I mean, we just heard during the, the news brief there that because, you know, it's, it's, it's switched now the other way around. Employers are desperate for employees and it's slim pickings for good people. And people are asking, almost naming their own price, asking for more of this, asking for more of that. These are all things you want to get put in a contract from the beginning, right? Certainly, if you're going to agree to different terms of employment, if you're going to be made promises, uh, you always want to have those in writing. If your employer says, okay, well, I'll increase your, your pay or I'll give you extra vacation, what have you, that has to be in writing, okay? It's, it's never going to be a good situation for either employer or employee if it's a he said, she said. So anytime you change something, if, if you, you're you want to make sure that it's enforceable. If you want to make sure that it's not going to be just uh, some promise that's not going to be enforced, get it in writing. Always, always a good idea. What else? Uh, what else you got going on today, uh, today, pal? Well, you said yourself, John. We heard right uh, before the show or during the news about uh, with some industries that there's a, a huge demand for employees yeah. and not enough employees. Uh, but unfortunately, in other industries, uh, the, the opposite problem happens where there's still not enough work and employers are still struggling. Uh, and there's many, many employees that have been off on a layoff or a, a leave of absence for months and months and months. And I got a call, uh, a couple of calls actually, earlier this week from individuals who expected to be back to work beginning of this month. And, you know, in early July, that's what they were told. And now their employer told them, no, no, the earliest it could be is in September. And these individuals wanted to say, well, you know, do I have to wait? Is it enough already? Enough, enough, is enough enough? So absolutely, the answer is they don't have to continue staying on a layoff. If you've been put on a layoff, uh, if you're on an infectious disease emergency leave, you can absolutely choose to wait if you want, but you can also choose to treat your employment as being terminated. You can make that decision. You don't have to wonder whether the company is going to decide that. You can decide as the employee on your own that your employer, uh, the employment is terminated and that you're owed severance. Keeping in mind, of course, severance could be as much as 24 months pay. So I know a lot of individuals that were hoping to be back at work by now. That's been extended. You can wait and see what happens. That could get extended again and again. Or you can say enough is enough. I am not going to stay waiting. I'm going to find another job. I want my severance. If that's what you want to do, if you've had enough, by all means, let's talk. I want you to reach out to me off air. I'll help you do that. Not particularly complicated. So let's have that chat. And here's how you do that. By the way, anytime, one 821 5900 simple, right? Go to help at employmentlawyer.ca. That's the email address we're going to refer to for the remainder of the show and every show for that matter. 
And there's always the website, free, anonymous. It's like having a, an employment lawyer with you on your phone, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. I should mention that. It's free as well. We'll try to squeeze in an email quick here before our uh, first break. Paul says, hey, Leo, my boss just told me that I have to get a COVID vaccine in the next two weeks or I'm out of a job. Is this legal? John, I've been getting so many questions about vaccines recently. I've been getting so many emails, calls. Uh, it, it, it's, it seems like that's probably the, the most commonly asked question these days. It's about vaccines. So I'm going to answer it. Keep in mind, I'm not making a comment about whether people should or should not get vaccinated. Right. Uh, but I, I, I can tell you that there's people that have chosen for their reasons not to be vaccinated. And the question is, what, what can the employer do about it? So as the law stands right now, John, an employer cannot force you in most industries to be vaccinated. They, cannot, they cannot punish you if you don't. They can't put you on a leave. They can't uh, stop paying you. They can't penalize you in any way if you choose not to be vaccinated. The employer can make up their own rules when it comes to these things. Now, if at some point the government, provincial, federal, what have you, decides to make rules that you can only work with other people if you've been vaccinated, if that happens, then the employer, of course, will have to follow suit, and then there may be consequences if you don't get vaccinated. But until and unless that happens, you cannot be told to be vaccinated. You cannot be forced. Now, I, despite what I just said, I know employers are doing that. Well, if you are in that situation and your job is on the line or your job has been terminated because you haven't been vaccinated, we should talk about that. That could be a wrongful dismissal. That could be a human rights violation. The employer still, as it stands today, does not have a right to make you be vaccinated or penalize you if you choose not to be vaccinated. Is that for all industries as well? I'm thinking, you know, hospital settings, long-term care, so and so forth. They might have a little bit of leeway in that regard, no? There's more leeways in hospitals, and in fact, the provincial government has decided that in long-term care homes, if individuals are not vaccinated, they have to agree to go through this training module uh, about vaccines and the safety of vaccines. So an employer may have more uh, more flexibility in the in the healthcare uh, realm. Let's put it that way. But in most other industries, the answer is no. You cannot be forced to be vaccinated. Back to your emails after a short break, which we're going to take right now. Employment Law Show, Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. We'll get to more of our emails here in just a bit, but always calls top priority. Alexandra, thank you for standing by for a moment. How are you? Hi, good. Thanks. Uh, thanks for taking my call. You bet. What's uh, Thanks for your time. What's up? Well, um, my employer terminated me due to COVID last uh, November, but um, made the termination date on June 25th. Then on June 24th, called me and asked me to stay full time till the end of July. Uh, this is all the employees in the company have been gotten the same deal. Then, um, but then on starting in August, they want me to work three days a week until October 22nd, at which point they'll reassess whether they can bring the company back full time or whether it ends. I'm worried about the three days a week because I think that will affect EI. 
and I, I won't be able to live on that once I'm, if I'm terminated at that point. So, uh, Alexander, how long have you worked for this employer? 21 years. 21 years. And, and I take it, obviously, there's no uh, union. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. So let's start with the idea that your concerns about going down to three times a week, three days a week, are completely justified. And, and let me tell you why. If you go down to three days a week, other than the obvious, you're earning less income, that means that they can, number one, keep you in th at three days a week. So forget about bringing you back full time. They could simply say, we'll keep you at three days a week and you won't be able to do much about it. Or if they terminate your employment at that point, they arguably would only have to pay you severance based on your three days a week. So right there, you'd lose almost half your severance. So options. You have really two options. Option number one is you can continue working three days a week and hope that they're not going to do anything like that and they'll treat you well. I think that's risky. The other thing you can do is once they implement that three days a week, you can treat that at that point as a constructive dismissal and require them to pay you severance. Alexander, how old are you? 61. So someone in your situation could easily get, you know, anywhere from 20 to as much as 24 months of severance. So that's what's at stake here for you based on your full-time hours, right? Not three days a week. So my concern is that if you're working three days and then they decide not to bring you back, you still get 20 months pay, but based on three days a week, not five. So to me, the less risky proposition here, Alexandra, is once you go down to say, no, I'm not accepting that, it's a constructive dismissal, I've been terminated, and you can get severance. Does that make sense? Yes, um, but I, I think I've already worked off seven months of my severance. Going no, on I, I mean, I, I know why you would correct? think that, but because they extended it and because now there's no certainty on how or when you'll be actually be terminated, that seven months doesn't count. So you haven't oh. actually worked seven months of your severance. They'll still have to pay you your full, let's call it 20 months pay. So, so no, uh, that, that's a good thing. Now, okay. the, and like I said, the reason for that is they extended it. They may extend it again. They may not. You may be back. You may not be. There's no certainty about ending your employment. And as a result of that, that seven months don't count at all. Okay. So what I want you to do, Alexandra, is this. Uh, once they implement that, that three days a week, if at that point you've decided I'm not accepting it, I want you to call me and I'll help you get the severance that you're owed, you know, in anywhere from 20 or north of that of month's pay. Uh, but if you continue working, you are actually putting yourself at risk. And you may want to tell your colleagues as well that there's, there's a risk uh, and, and a potential loss if they continue working at three days a week. I, I'll do that. Is there any possibility that this could all go really badly if the company declares bankruptcy? If a company declares bankruptcy before you've received your severance, then absolutely. Unfortunately, you you won't get severance, but that, that'll happen anyway, whether you stay at three days a week or not. So the, to me, the possibility of, of bankruptcy means we want to address this sooner rather than later. The longer we wait, the more potential is there for uh, the company to be uh, in a bankruptcy situation. So to me, that means waiting less, not waiting more. Got it. 
Thanks, Alexandra. Appreciate that. And here is how you reach out, as I know you want to uh, to do so later on. First, the, the phone number, 1-855-821-5900, 1-855-821-5900, and help at employmentlawyer.ca to reach Lior and his team and have that chat. Sam, thank you for standing by. Next in line, how are you? Good, thank you. Excellent. What's uh, What's on your mind? Um, I'm just calling in regards to what the employment lawyer said, that um, your employer cannot mandate it unless until the government does. I'm just wondering, can the government possibly mandate that we need to have this vaccine for work? Can that come into legislation? I didn't think that was possible. Yes, uh, unfortunately, or, or fortunately, depending on your perspective, it is possible. Not only is it possible, the government has already done that with respect to other vaccines. For example, paramedics have to have certain vaccines by legislation. People that work in child care, uh, child care centers have to have certain vaccines. Even people working in long-term care have to have certain vaccines, you know, polio and other vaccines as well. So it won't be a stretch at all for the government to be able to say, well, now we're going to mandate COVID-19 vaccines. Now, I have not heard that they are going to do that or they've planned, but could they? Yes. And I think if that was challenged legally, my sense of this, it would be that it would stand given this is a worldwide pandemic and we've had you know, globally millions of people die from this, uh, I, they would be able to withstand the challenge. So that is, uh, Sam, certainly a possibility. Even though it hasn't been, it's only been approved for emergency use, they can do that? The government could do that, yes. Again, I, I don't know that they will or want to or have any interest in it, but that's absolutely a possibility. And I know in other countries, there's, there's already been uh, talk about governments in those countries mandating it. Uh, no idea what Canada's going to do, but it's absolutely possible. Wow. Okay. Well, thank you for answering that question. I didn't know that was possible. <laughs> I thought Thanks. not until, like, it, it's, like, you know, uh, approved beyond emergency use. I thought not until, like, clinical trial has been finished, so... That's probably won't be, right? Or probably would. I mean, they're not going to do it in the next probably six months, but years down the road, it could be something. They're probably looking at it already, I would uh, I would imagine, Lior, just based on here's, what you said. Here's my view. I, I think that yeah. certainly the governments understand that this is a, a very uh, you know to- hot topic and a politically charged topic. So I think the hope is that enough people will be vaccinated voluntarily, that you know COVID will be in the rearview mirror, and we don't have to implement it. We don't have to mandate it. And certainly that's the best case scenario. If government doesn't have to do anything and we're dealing with COVID. But if not enough people are vaccinated or if COVID is still not under control, I think that the government's going to have no choice but to intervene and impose some measures requiring vaccines. Uh, So only time will tell. We've still got some time bouncing back over to the emails uh, for those. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. Daryl. Coming up next says, hey, Lior, I was just given a termination letter that offers me 26 weeks severance after 13 years with my company. The HR manager says that two weeks severance per year is standard. Does it make sense to contact you in these circumstances? Well, you know, I, I think a lot of people are listening and they say, yeah, that sounds pretty standard, yep, right? For sure. Two weeks per year, 13 years times, you know, two weeks, that's 26 weeks. Okay, let's move on. That's not bad. Well, what if I told you that the answer is probably this person is owed north of 12 months pay? 26 weeks, of course, is six months pay. So instead of 26 weeks, six months, they're owed 12 months pay. That's the law. That's the key. It's not two weeks per year or a week per year or two and a half weeks per year, whatever the formula is. It's based on several factors, length of employment, age, and the type of job. 
So after 13 years, again, depending on the type of job and the age, it could be 12 months, it could even be 18 months, right? So no, that is not a good offer. Do not accept it. Do not sign on that dotted line. If you do, unfortunately, if you've accepted, even though you're owed double that, then there's nothing that you can do. Once you've accepted something, even though it's less than what you're owed, you really can't go back on it. So it doesn't matter what the HR person said, that's simply wrong. Maybe the HR person actually believes that, or maybe they don't believe it, but they hope you do. Either way, it does not matter. And John, this is not an unusual uh, situation or question that you've just asked. Uh, People get that all the time. The vast majority of people, over 90% of them, when they lose their job and they're looking at that severance offer, it's half or less than what they're actually owed. Bob, how are you? Hey, good, good. Just had a question, follow-up on that last lady. Uh, if yeah. you get forced to take the vaccine at work, you say, fine, I'll take it, but I'm not going to sign the waiver because you have to sign a waiver. Can't, like, what, what is that? Like, will they still give it, do you think? Like, let's say you get forced, you know what I mean? Because you have so, to sign a waiver so you're not liable. Like, you know, the vaccine companies aren't liable. You know what I mean? So I, I've never seen a, a waiver like that. I mean, uh, oh, yeah. I, you mean the, the regular waiver when I understand what you're saying. Yes, yes. The, the, when you get the vaccine. No, they're not going to give you the vaccine unless you sign that document. But honestly, that document is really not going to matter. If it turns out that the vaccine companies were negligent, that they did something wrong, that waiver is not going to really help them here. So that to me is, is not a big concern. But you will not get the vaccine unless you sign that document. It's simply that, that standard practice. If it's no concern, why do they make you sign it? it it's it's just a I don't know. It's a formality. I, I agree no, with you. I mean, it doesn't really. It's not necessary. But it's not going to really protect them if, in fact, they are negligent. I'm uh, just saying it's a, loop, it's a loophole you could do. Say I'm willing to get the vaccine, but I'm not willing to sign your document. Right? I, you could say I'm willing, but you don't. You know what I mean? It's kind of a loophole people could use that. Well, keep in mind, Bob, I mean, to, to kind of your question is your employer can't actually force you to get the vaccine, as I said earlier. So you are able to say, no, I'm not going to be vaccinated if that's what you choose. You can't be punished for that. But if you're going to get the vaccine, part of the process is to sign that document. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it on the document. It's either you get it or you don't. Uh, and if you decide not to get it, your employer ultimately, at, at least as things stand right now, cannot punish you if you refuse. Bob, appreciate the call, and we'll take a short break. And Lola, you are up next, but stand by. we got a break first. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. We're cleaning out the old inbox this morning, and we'll continue. Employment Law Show, Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Lola, thanks for hanging on. Uh, how are you today? I'm well, thank you. Excellent. What's uh, what's on your mind? Well, thank you for taking my call. Good morning, everyone. Uh, you bet. I was, I was curious about a particular situation that has happened to a friend of mine. He was working at a company for well over 10 years bit of a disagreement with him and the owner. Uh, he was let go, terminated, didn't receive uh, the severance he should have after the fact, obviously. Uh, now was working at another place, been there a couple of years, um, had a call from the company that he previously was terminated at to ask him to come back. And I'm just curious, can he ask for his tenure back? Um, considering he's been there over 10 years and if something is to happen to him, he's got those years behind him. 
So Lola, is it a situation where he's gone back or he's considering whether to go back? He's considering whether or not. Okay, perfect. So the key here is uh, if the company, the new company, uh, or sorry, the new old company wants him to sign an employment agreement because in that employment agreement, they may make it very clear that you're a new employee. If he signs that, then that past years of service don't count. So the key here is to get the company to agree to an acknowledgement in that agreement that that 10 years do count. And that's especially important, really mainly important for future severance. Because if they let him go a year from now, you don't want him to be a one-year employee. You want him to be an 11-year employee. That could mean the difference between one month severance and a year's severance. So yes, he needs that in writing. Now, there's a possibility that even if it's not in writing, the law may still consider that 10 years to count. But the best way to do this, the safest way to do this, is to get something in writing in an employment agreement is great, but frankly, even an email will work where they agree that they'll, consi- that they'll consider him to be a 10-year employee. If he has that, he's protected, and later on, if he needs to, he'll get uh, his full severance. Oh, perfect. That's what I thought. Okay, great. Thank you so much for answering my question. No problem. Thank you, Lola. Appreciate that. And I'll give you the contact information to uh, to send you off with, and that is uh, 1-855-821-5900, the phone number for Lior and his team. And help at employmentlawyer.ca. I should mention as well, if you simply go to employmentlawyer.ca, that'll jettison you right over to the firm website. All kinds of learning to be dead. Uh, had their contact information and links to our TV show as well, employmentlawyer.ca. Dana, up next with an email, says, uh, Lior, I've been off on a stress leave for two months, but don't want to go back to work because I'm afraid of how I will be treated. What do I do? So, obviously, Dana, you know, always can decide not to go back to work. She can, you know, leave and resign whenever she wants. The, the, the real question is, can she not go back and still get compensated, still get severance? And the way she can do that is if she can show that she was mistreated, that, that she was you know, bullied or harassed, etc. If she can show that she was mistreated, then she certainly doesn't have to go back into that environment. And the law would consider that to be a constructive dismissal and she's going to get severance. But how do we prove that? So does Dana have emails or, or recordings or evidence otherwise to show that she's been mistreated? If she does, we can deal with this right now. She doesn't have to go back. We can get her compensation quite easy to do. If she doesn't have that, well, one consideration may be, well, let's go back to work now once you've been cleared from the disability leave and start building up a case. Start collecting evidence. So if you're being mistreated, send an email confirming what happened or write it down somewhere. You know, Create that record. And then at some point we can say, now enough is enough. Now I can leave and get my full severance. So that's the, always the question. If you've been mistreated, harassed, bullied, how do we show it? How do we prove it? Clearly, the person that's harassing you is not just going to hang their head in shame and admit that they've done that. We're going to have to prove it. If you can prove it, you're ready to go. If not, let's talk about how we build the case. And Dana, for you or for anyone else, if you want to talk about how to build up a case against a company that's harassing you, Let's have a chat. Let's talk about how we implement that right away. Lorraine, you're up next. Hi. Um, I was just wondering um, about the vaccine. I've been um, approached by three different supervisors on the vaccine, whether I'm taking it or not. And each time I've said no, I just feel that I'm pressured. 
to take it? So, yeah, th this is uh, obviously one of the main questions I've been getting the last number, couple of months, and, and we were talking about this earlier in the show. So as the law stands right now, Lorraine, your employer cannot force you to get a vaccine or, or penalize you if you don't. So you're, uh, you're allowed to continue working as you are, uh, even if you haven't been vaccinated, unless, of course, the government intervenes and imposes requirements. But unless that happens, and at this point it has not happened, your employer cannot, cannot force you. So if you are pressured, if you are penalized, once you tell them, no, I'm not being vaccinated, and, and they say, well, then you have to go on a leave, call me. Okay, that potentially is a human rights violation. It could be considered a wrongful dismissal. It could be considered potentially a breach of privacy rights. So there's a lot of issues there. Uh, so you have to decide ultimately what you want to do. You have to make the decision what, what you think uh, it makes sense for you, but your employer cannot force you to get the vaccine. Yeah, because my doctor and I have discussed it. I'm, I'm allergic to other vaccines, so I'm terrified to take this other vaccine that's come out. And it well, has yeah, go ahead. studies on it. So. so, I mean, certainly if your doctor, I mean, you know, this could be the simplest way. If your doctor feels they should not get the vaccine, again, I'm not a doctor, but if that's what your doctor feels, getting a note from your doctor saying that, you know, uh, that uh, Lorraine should not get the vaccine, that protects you that much more. So that could be the easiest solution. But frankly, even without that doctor's note, you still can't be forced. But I would very much like you to get that note if it's possible. That would be great. Okay. Thank you so much for your information. No problem. Thank you. Uh, thank you for your time as well, Lorraine. You want to reach out afterwards. Any more questions, you could do so. Easy. one 821 5,900 is the way to go. I want to get uh, William on the air here, but we got to take a, a little break, a short one, and we'll get right back to that. I want to give William his uh, his due time. So hang on there, William. We'll get to you. Employment Law Show right here on Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Yeah, we're right back at her. I, I like the fact that we're not going through a lot of these emails, which is good because we're getting phone calls, which we uh, which we love and prefer. William, thanks for hanging on. How are you? I'm good. How are you today? Outstanding. What's uh, what's on your mind? If I've been employed as a firefighter for over 30 years, but I'm about to turn 60 in the next six months, and, and traditionally we've all retired at 60, can they force me to retire if I can still meet all of the physical requirements? Now, William, obviously as a firefighter, a firefighter you're a part of the union? Yes. So the, the only one that can actually answer that question is the union because the answer is somewhere in the collective agreement there. My understanding is that traditionally with firefighters, and this is just from things that I've heard, that there is a, a mandatory retirement age uh, irrespective of the fact that you could potentially do the job uh, for longer. But the only one that can actually tell you for sure, is this legal, is this mandatory, or if there are any options, is the union. And ultimately, whatever the union says is going to be the answer. You're not, unfortunately, right. as a unionized employee, going to be able to do anything beyond that. There would That would be not the case if you were not in a union. With non-union employees, there's no mandatory retirement. You cannot be forced to retire at a certain age. But with firefighters, with the collective agreement, uh, you'd have to talk to the union about that. 
All right, because well, my concern was the collective agreement does say 60. However, I had heard one time, I don't know how reliable the source was, that if you sign a contract, if we sign a collective agreement, and it turns out through the government of the day that it's an illegal contract, i.e. you're forced to retire, which I don't know, I thought was an infringement on my rights, that you could challenge that. But, uh, no, the union right now is saying, no, you've got to retire at 60. Yeah. Then there's no there's no other options. Unfortunately, no, if if it's no clear in the collective agreement, you won't be able to challenge it. Unfortunately, uh, that that I can tell you for sure. If it is in fact a term of the agreement, uh, it, it is what it is. As unfair as it is, and I get it completely, you won't be able to challenge it. Unfortunately, William, appreciate the time. Got to move on. Get as many calls in as we can. Hi, Frank. Thanks for standing by. How are you guys? Good, brother. What's what's going on with you? I have a question. I work for a manufacturing company in an office. Uh, originally, when all this COVID started, they laid us off. And then about two, three months later, they called us back again. But they moved me to a different department. Now, the company's been sold. I mean, they haven't changed my salary or anything. So they moved me to a department. And about a couple months ago, they moved me again to another department. Again, they didn't change my salary. Now, it's under a new management, and it looks like these guys are getting rid of the old regime slowly, you know, there's about five or six of us that are, I've been there over 30 years. I don't know what my options are here. So Frank, they're allowed to let you go if they choose, even if you've done nothing wrong, even if you have 30 years of exceptional uh, work there, they're allowed to let you go. But of course, they'll have to pay you severance. And after 30 years, they'd have to pay you two years pay, 24 months pay is what they'd have to. Now, in terms of putting you in different departments, as long as the job is not changed significantly and your pay is the same and your hours is the same, that's something they can get away with. But ultimately, it comes down to whether they part ways. It's not illegal to let you go. I mean, listen, if they let you go because of your age, that's a human rights violation. But if they let you go for other reasons because maybe they want people and pay them less, I don't know, as an example, they could do that, but they'd have to pay you 24 months pay, Frank. Okay, so don't sign anything when they do let me go, I guess. No, 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 no. Listen, unless they offer you 24 months pay of your salary, your benefits, your bonus, your pension, you know, all all components of your compensation, unless that's what they offer you, please, please, please do not sign anything, nothing at all, until you speak to me. Great. Thank you very much. That's all I wanted to hear. Beauty. Thanks, Frank. Appreciate that. Here is uh, that number to uh, to go forward, one 821 help at employmentlawyer.ca. Moving on to uh, to Mike. Hey, Mike, thanks for standing by. Thanks very much. My question is kind of a follow-up to the uh, comment that um, you were talking about Lorraine, and Lorraine did not want to get the vaccine because of certain um, medical conditions that was really scary. And, and uh the employer really can't do anything. She has to come to work. He cannot kind of sanction her and forbid her to come to work. My question is, if I'm fully vaccinated and I'm working in the same office as Lorraine and my family has a concern with me going to work with unvaccinated people, do I have kind of the same rights as Lorraine or can I kind of refuse to come in or do I have to come in or, or what's the story there? Yeah, and that's a great question. It's kind of the, the other, the flip side of what yeah. we were talking yeah. about you know, earlier. Yeah, I know people that are unvaccinated. My family's saying, well, I don't want you mixing with them, and I don't want you going out for lunch with them, or I don't want to interact with yeah. them. And if they're, if they're part of my, my office environment, and I have to go in 9 to 5 and, and sit beside somebody that I know uh, yeah. on the vaccine, then, yeah. Like- so as, as things stand right now, 
an employer is allowed to commingle vaccinated and non-vaccinated employees. It's, uh, the workplace is not considered unsafe, uh, you know, from a legal standpoint, if there are unvaccinated people. Now, for that to change, it would have to be a change that the government makes to say right. that, no, you can't have unvaccinated people in the workplace. But unless that happens, if you choose not to go to work, that could be considered a resignation. So, yes, you actually do have to go to work. And I understand the concern. Believe me, I get it. Yeah. But from, again, all, from a legal standpoint. Yeah, yeah go ahead. If you're not coming to work, then you're effectively you're terminating your employment. It's not up to, it's yeah. up to you. You're deciding to quit. Correct. Yeah. If, if, the, if your employer is meeting whatever the requirements are by the government in terms of, you know, masking and social distancing, if they're doing that, yeah. then from from a legal standpoint the workplace is considered safe and if the workplace is considered safe then you and do have to go to work and that's kind of where we are now like uh, spraying everything social distancing masks were required and so on but i thought well you know even with or without masks if somebody's not uh, vaccinated and my family has a concern uh, i could be losing you know uh, pay i could be losing pension benefits correct <laughs> and, and you wouldn't I'm get afraid to go in you wouldn't get EI either. So one consideration may be yeah. to speak to your employer and see if they'll allow you to work from home if that is an option with your job. But if yeah. it's not an option, then and if your employer doesn't want you to, the concern is if you don't go back to work, you consider, you're considered to have resigned. You're not going to qualify at that point to any government benefits. So that is something sir, that you definitely have to consider seriously. Yeah. Okay. No, I appreciate the advice. Thank you. It just occurred to me when I was listening to Lorraine's comment about, oh, what about me? Yeah. So anyway, right. thank you very much. Awesome show. Thanks again. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate uh, your time and any other questions. As I've been saying all morning long, one 855 821 and help at That is the email address to reach out to uh, any time you want to have a Lengthier conversation with Lior. We got about a minute and a half left. So, any uh, any final thoughts for the show today, Lior? We've had a lot of calls about vaccines and going back to work as expected, right? Yeah. So, the question always about you know vaccines and going back to work is: is the workplace considered safe? And that's not something that an employee decides or even the employer decides. The government always imposes uh, requirements and, and stipulates what's considered a safe workplace. And right now, for a workplace to be considered safe, you have to have social distancing and mask wearing and cleaning procedures. There's no requirement for vaccinations in order for the workplace to be safe. That means that, number one, your employer cannot make you get a vaccine right, right, right off the bat. But that also means that if you refuse to go to work because you're concerned about COVID-19 or if you're concerned about people not being vaccinated, that may be considered a resignation. So that's something you have to always keep in mind. If you are in that situation, been forced to be vaccinated, uh, been threatened, not feeling safe to go back to work, before you do anything, before you lash out, call me and let's talk about it. And that'll do it. We are out of here for another day. Appreciate all your phone calls, emails, and other correspondence. Moving on from now, simple, one 821 5900 The number, email is help at employmentlawyer.ca. If you go to employmentlawyer.ca, links to our TV show. And uh, it's like having Lior with you 24-7. It's really simple, anonymous. It's free. And it's called pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. It's beauty. We'll catch you next time. Employment Law Show on Global News Radio. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. 
Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.